0: Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr, and um, you know, obviously no curveball to bounce this off of, but just a just a thought. As we enter into the holiday season, um, you know, maybe not Christmas necessarily because maybe not all of you celebrate Christmas, just love one another, um, be kind to one another and just treat each other with kindness. You know, we all deserve love and kindness and respect this holiday season. It's just common decency, you know, something we all deserve. And I think, you know, coming into this time of year, you know, it's just, it's just something we all deserve. Um, Just two quick injuries I do want to touch on real quick um, is that two Cavs are really (laughs) seriously injured. Um, They both got hurt on Friday. I recorded last Thursday. And uh, this will be coming out on Friday as well. Um, But Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are both going to be missing a significant amount of time. Darius Garland fractured his jaw and will be out for several weeks. And then Evan Mobley is going to have arthroscopic surgery on his left knee and will be missing six to eight weeks. Like I said on an earlier pod, six to eight weeks. I don't know. I I always think that's code for eight to 10 slash probably 10 to 12. I, I hope not that long, but it's, it's not going to be pretty for the Cavs right now. They're kind of middling in the conference. Um, I haven't seen... I really haven't watched a Cavs game since the beginning of the season. I don't think I've watched them since they played the Knicks early in the season. Um, last couple, beat the Jazz last night. Or when I'm recording this. Um, beat the Rockets on Monday. Beat. They're on a three-game winning streak right now, but... um, Pretty tough stretch coming up. <laughs> Next four, it against New Orleans. Then we got... At Chicago on Saturday, then at Dallas on the 27th, and then home against Milwaukee on the 29th. There's a real shot. They lose all four of those games, and they're back at five hundred. And the East isn't as competitive as the West is, right? But <laughs> the Cavs, I don't think, want to be in that play-in situation again. And there's Mitchell's rumors swirling. And it's it's not going to be...
1: Especially with the work you put into this team and all the money you put into this team. And, you know, you can't
0: not... Trying to find the right way. The way I want to phrase this. You can't be in the plan. This season will be a failure if you're in the play-in. It would, I don't think it would have been a success if they had won the same amount last year, but it wouldn't have been a failure if they stayed where they were last year. I think them being at the same level they were last year would be considered, I think you could consider that a failure. So going off of that, um, let me go ahead and get into the Knicks because this makes me sad. The Knicks on Wednesday applied for a disabled player exception, which means Mitchell Robinson will be missing the entirety of the rest of the regular season at the very least. Which is unfortunate. Um, it sounds like this isn't confirmed, but the speculation is that he had to have screws put in his ankle, um, which no one likes to hear ever. So you have that. And then you have um, Jericho Sims, and not a super serious injury, but he's expected to miss one to two weeks. And so I the theme for this week of the Knicks is like the last five, um, this road trip went a lot better than expected. Um since the Jazz game beat the Suns 139-122. Beat lost to the Clippers 144 to 122. Beat the Lakers 114 to 109 in a game um sorry, the Suns game was where Brunson absolutely went off. And then they beat the uh Nets 121-102. But I, I think what I want to talk about is just how thin the Knicks front court is right now. It's kind of hanging on by a thread, especially with no Robinson, right? Like, you had Obi Toppin and you just dumped him, basically, to the Pacers. And so now what do you have? So, Hartenstein is playing out of his mind, but Hartenstein's a free agent this summer, and he's probably gonna be a starter next season. I would be surprised if he isn't. I'm really surprised he's only 25. It feels like he's been in the league forever. Um... But he's been playing great. I would not be surprised if he's starting somewhere next season. Okay. Um. Obviously, Randall and Barrett are your two front court starters. Hart is a front court player, ostensibly. But what? He's six five, six six. It's he's not PJ Tucker either. Like he's Hart is a guy I want playing the two, not the four. <laughs> and there, therein lies my problem. Right? It's like Grimes. Grimes is a three, not a four. This team is, de- is bereft of fours. They don't have any fours on this roster, but they expect me to be like, oh, you know. Mitchell Robinson was brilliant. I, I, someone said this. He was just, his brilliance on the offensive glass saved them from so many games. And the person who said this said his brilliance on the offensive glass was going to get them to the second round like it did last year. And I totally agree with that. Watching this team, his brilliance offensive rebounding was going to get them to the second round. In terms of guard talent, not too many teams have as many talented guards as the Knicks do, right? You have Brunson, you have Quickly, you have DiVincenzo, you have Grimes, you have, um, I mean, hell, I know Fournier was banished to the bench. Fournier would play for most teams, you know, like Fournier would maybe be like the end of the rotation but he's not a scrub. He was a starter on a playoff team two years ago. So this team just has guards on guards on guards. But the problem is Deuce McBride. <laughs> Deuce McBride would be playing for a lot of teams, you know? So this team has guards on guards on guards, but they just don't have anybody in the front court, right? And last Friday, December 15th, was the unofficial start of trade season. Which means we need to start gearing up to see trades. I realistically don't know who the Knicks should target. Okay, it's it's a problem. I know I should, probably should have maybe come in prepared with guys the Knicks should target. I'm just pointing out the gaping hole we have in the front court here because listen,
1: Randall's been a picture perfect health guy, right? He just has been, but Barrett hasn't been, and.
0: What if they lose Randall? <laughs> what's going to happen if Randall has to miss 15 games? Are they going to go
1: 4-11? Is that, is that just going to be what's going to happen? So,
0: you have the Fournier salary. You have an abundance of first-round picks. Go get a front court contributor. Go get someone who can... I mean, hell, you have a bunch of guys across town, right? You have Dorian Finney-Smith. I know he's not like a true four necessarily, but he's a three four. He could play the four. Um, you could go get like a guy like I don't know. You could go get Jeremy Grant. I mean, that's probably be more expensive than you'd want to try to get. But Jeremy Grant, you know, a guy who could actually play. Um, it's just someone you need bodies in the front court, right? I mean, maybe Boyan (laughs) Bogdanovich. You know, maybe. I don't you just need players who can play in the front court. You just this team is so razor thin in terms of bodies who can actually play the four and and the five, too, by the way, Jericho Sims is playing fine. Um, But outside of Hartenstein, Hartenstein's like basically their true center at this point.
1: And. Sims is kind of play the center Keith
0: Bogans, <laughs> which is weird to say, um, they just really need to make a move. It's one of the stranger things I think I've seen in a while. And I just don't know, man. I, I, this is not the way I would approach it if I were them, but more power to them, I guess. Um, Knicks are going to be playing the Bucks on Christmas, right? Yeah. Knicks are going to be playing the Bucks on Christmas. They got two against the Bucks coming up. Knicks actually kind of have a, a fun schedule coming up. And when I say fun, it mean really tough. Um, I mean, they did beat the Suns and the Lakers. They did better than I forecasted on that West Coast trip. But two home games against Milwaukee, then they're going to Oklahoma City, to Orlando, to Indiana. And those games are all pretty close together. Um, Then home against Minnesota, home against Chicago, and then at Philadelphia. So that little eight game stretch there, if they go 500 in that stretch, I, I would might say they're a real team. You know, maybe not win a first round series because I don't think they're that good, but you know, maybe they're just as good as they were last year. I mean, who can really say, but it's going to be what's going to be interesting for me to
1: see is that. um, How. They approach the trade deadline, right, because
0: it's not it's not far away. We're less than two months away from it at this point, so they need to start considering their options here, especially that 48 contract. And I, I'm just really interested to see and intrigued how they, um, come to that point. Oh, by the way, Knicks are uh, 16 and 11. Actually, I should have said my apologies. Um, now a team that's 11 and 16 will stay in the Eastern conference, but actually, um, before I do that, I should probably spin the wheel. So, um, I apologize. I'm a little all over the place. If you can't tell, I'm a little under the weather today, but I'm powering through. Um, you know, just need to, to power through sometimes. I, I have energy, I swear. Oh, would you look at that? <laughs> the Memphis Grizzlies, my first team, <clears throat> I literally could not have, I mean, I suppose I could have better timing with them, but Ja Morant just came back from a lengthy suspension. Um Probably should have been in my mentions, but that's honestly kind of works out great then. Um Wow, <laughs> I watched the Ja Morant first game back. They won against the uh Pelicans on Tuesday. Wow. Um I'm actually very happy I got the Grizzlies. Um and then we'll see my second team. The Sixers. Wow, a team I've been very laud- laudatory of. Um Embiid and Maxi just made history last night. Embiid scored 50. Maxi dropped 35. So um, gonna be real interesting to see, especially now that they got Oubre back. Um, especially like their team to monitor towards going towards the trade deadline. Um so yeah, that'll be this that'll be a fun episode, honestly. So make sure you keep your ears open for that. Um but now let's go. Now let's go ahead and move on to the Raptors, who are 11 and 16. Um and last five, I mean. So last five, let's see. Let's go back to, I think, let's just go back to the first Atlanta game that looks about right Yeah. Okay, so actually I'll go back to the next game. So loss of the Knicks on the December 11th, 136-130, beat the Hawks, 135-128, then loss of the Hawks again, 125-104, beat the Hornets, 114-99, and then loss of the Nuggets, 104-113. I could go two ways talking about this team. I could just be like this is a fucking disaster. <laughs> or I could talk about how awesome Scotty Barnes is. Me personally, I don't want to trash this team. I don't think that's very fun. I should probably start off trashing them and then I'll get into um how awesome Scotty is. Because I don't understand how a team with this much defensive talent all these guys individually, like their starting five, are all awesome defenders. They really are. So it boggles the mind <laughs> how their defense seems to be absolutely dreadful. Um, One
1: of the worst that I've seen from them. So I, I'll, let me preface this by saying, okay, their defense really hasn't been the same since
0: Marc Gasol stopped being Marc Gasol, okay? For instance, in 1920, they were the second-ranked defense, according to points per possession on Cleaning the Glass. And then in 2021, when Marc Gasol, I believe he went to Los Angeles that year, um, or was that the year? Yeah, he went to Los Angeles that year. Um, Their defense tumbled to 19th, now, it was 10th in 2021 22 when they um, were a really good team. They went 48 and 34. But last year they were 14th. This year they were 15th. And their offense has really struggled as well. Um,
1: and it's like you either
0: have to be great at one or the other if you're actually trying to win games. And they're just not. They haven't been since Gasol left. And I mean, okay, that year they won the championship. Which is, this is usually the case for championship teams. Um, They were 6th in offense, 5th in defense, right? The year after, 15th in offense, like I said, 2nd in defense. So, tightened up on the defensive side. Lost a lot of punch on the offensive side, coincidentally. Kawhi Leonard in Los Angeles. Um... And this team doesn't have that offensive punch still. This team doesn't have that guy that you go, wow, um, this guy's going to get me a bucket <laughs> off of ISO here. And they're, they're kind of stuck, right? Like, OK, you have on one hand, you have three awesome vets, two awesome vets <laughs> and a couple of really good vets. So Pascal and OG would help a lot of teams, right? A lot of contending teams win championships. But you would also say neither of them could be the best player on a team and lead them to the playoffs, especially on a team like this. I think those are both fair and true statements. Gary Chen Jr. could help a team. To what extent? I don't know. Jakob Pertle, I think he could help a team off the bench. To what extent? I don't know. I don't know why they paid him 20 million, especially when it was very clear his sex- success was de- derivative of Fred VanVleet's, whatever. That's another thing, by the way, they've let two elite guys, and I'm not saying they're elite, but two elite guys at actually playing the point guard spot, setting people up, getting them to the right spots, being captains of their teams, they've let them go in the last several years, you know, first Kyle Lowry. Obviously you let Kyle Lowry go, especially if Kyle Lowry wants to go, right? And then, secondly, Fred Van Vliet, they didn't get anything of value for those guys. I mean, they got Precious Achua for
1: Lowry. They got nothing for Fred Van Vliet.
0: I'm sorry, getting Precious Achua for two of the, for two good point guards, that's, that's not going to cut it. It's just not. Masai, I, I heard someone talking about this on a podcast. Maybe he just won the championship and started resting on his laurels. You don't want to think that, but it's possible. You know, maybe he's not motivated to make moves the same way because this team is runnerless right now. And you wouldn't think you'd say that. Like when they had DeMar and Lowry, they were at least, you know, gunning for the top seed in the East, right? They were gunning for the championship. Then they added Kawhi and they got that spot. It's kind of like
1: right now, this Raptors team is kind of reminding me of
0: That DeJounte Murray Spurs team. And I I think Scotty's a little more talented, a little better than DeJounte is. Now, I'll expand on that in a second. But it's just like you have Pascal in this analogy would be Lamar Saldridge. Um, I don't know who DeMar would be. But I it (laughs) this team isn't good, (laughs) but they think they're good and they think they can be complacent. And you just can't be. You should have blown it up two seasons ago. And now everyone knows. Like Pascal's on an expiring contract, and he's not going to resign with the team that he's he gets traded to. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows. Okay, we're going to get this guy, and he's not going to want to resign here right away. So I mean, you obviously have the in-house recruiting pitch, but tampering's the thing. Out. No one's stupid. <laughs> everyone knows that. Everyone's talking to these guys from months on end. So an OG, you have a little bit of team control, but you only have him for a year. I think actually he has a player option after next season, this season or next season. So you're not going to have OG for much longer.
1: And like Pascal has taken
0: a step back on offense, be primarily precipitated by Scotty on taking a step forward on offense. And OG, I, I like what I've seen from OG.
1: But, like, OG to me will never be anything more than what Andrew Wiggins was on the 22 Warriors. And I think Wiggins was a better scorer. And I think OG's probably a better
0: defender. So that kind of evens things out in the end. But what the Raptors are asking for him, <laughs> based on what the Raptors want for OG and Anobi, you would think they're. Ask like asking what Portland was asking for David Lillard. At this point, the Raptors should just take a first round pick for both of these guys, right? Or or whatever young player, whatever promising young player they can get, because you have the future. You have a guy. <laughs> you have your Giannis. You have your and Giannis is probably a little bit of a stretch, but this guy, this guy is the truth. This guy needs young st- talent. He needs floor spacers. He needs. You need to scrap everything you have, okay, and build around Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is your sun, your moon, your stars. And I think this is what infuriates me the most about them. Is if you're gonna try to win, I I think he's probably-I think Scotty Barnes is probably a winning player, if we're being honest. But if you're gonna try to win, you don't have the right players around Scotty to try to win right now. You just don't. You wouldn't put a I mean obviously <laughs> finding a shooting center is of dime a dozen. Right, but the floor is not spaced well enough around Scotty Barnes because Pascal, bless his heart, I feel like he's he's not shooting well this year. He's shooting twenty six percent from three. I was like, I've seen him make a few threes, but it's just it's not. He's not making them through the course of the whole season. Every time you watch a Raptors game, watch Pascal off the ball. His guy is in the paint. If he's on the perimeter, OG is making his threes. Um, Schroeder is making thirty six percent of his threes, which is pretty good. Um, Scotty is making thirty eight percent of his threes, but therein lies the problem: is because if Scotty has the ball, he can't space for himself. <laughs> you know, and you don't want this guy. You want this guy to have the ball in his hands. I'm just gonna say it: five point seven assists, and it's a shocker. He doesn't have more a game because watching him, watching him pass, he just throws the ball exactly where it needs to be thrown. The precision. I don't know how a young player throws the ball, especially one that didn't have like, wasn't on a bad team and learning to throw the ball precisely. Like, was it forced to the ball like Luca, right? Or I'm trying to think of another example, but Luca's the first one that comes to mind. It's just amazing how good his passes are. He plays with such a patience, right? I'm not saying he is this, but the way he the approach he takes in the paint and just like the way he'll take a beat and then pass, it's kind of like watching Jokic. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to, instead of making this pass right away, I'm going to wait a second, and then Gary Chen will be open, and then Malachi Flynn will be open. And you notice these names I'm saying. <laughs> They're not very good players. But, he's making the right passes. He's There was one play in particular, I don't remember what the play was, and I don't even remember who he passed to. But he was kicking out and Setting up a hockey assist And the player was um Was on this guy's left Was on the The player was at the top of the key Okay Just to paint the mental picture for you here. And Scotty Kicked the ball And it, like he was on the The right block Okay He threw a pass To this player's left hand So the pass The hockey pass would be A lot easier And it just was like how often do you see that? You don't see that very often where it's just like that pass is being placed that specific way. And you could see the brilliance, right? You could see, okay, this guy has something that not a lot of players have. And you say not a lot of players is age. No, just not a lot of players have. He has IQ and just, he has something in his brain. He's just, I don't think he's going to be of like a top tier shot creator, right? But his size, um, I don't think I want him to be. I don't think I need him to be. You know, if he kind of can just be like Giannis, you know, not, again, not saying he will be, but if he can play like that, you know, just barrel his way to the paint, and just impose his will down there. And if he can have like a little mid-range pull-up, you know, okay, to keep defenses honest. And I'm not going to say he needs to be like Kobe, you know, or be like KD, but with how strong he is, he's listed at six. On basketball reference, I think he's listed at 6'7 still. I've seen 6'9, there's no way he's 6'9. He made Clint Capella look small. He made, he was the tallest player out there during Hawks Raptors. He's not 6'9, he's at least 6'11, at least. And you have that guy with a J, (laughs) The sky is actually the limit.
1: And... Like, we're talking an actual top 20 player
0: here with just his skill set, him not getting better. Like, that's how good he can be if he keeps improving on just what he's good at. So... I think you have a special player here who has the capabilities of being a superstar. And I think you have a front office who doesn't take that seriously enough and won't see to the vision that this guy deserves, right? This guy deserves the world. <laughs> this guy deserves to be in the same, dis- I mean, hell, I saw Kevin Pelton had him as an all-star starter so far. I saw, you know, and I, I, I think it's deserved. I think he deserves to be in that conversation. He's been one of, I'm not gonna say he probably deserves to start over Giannis, right? Or Embiid.
1: But I'd probably take Tatum over him, too. But
0: at a certain point, (laughs) he's going to be an all star, I think. He's just been so awesome. And you're doing your young player a disservice by not choosing a direction. By waffling like this, you're saying, "Okay, we're committed to you, but we don't know what we're committed to ourselves. Right. And at the end of the day. That's gonna drive a wedge between you and the player. And this player is a special one. This player is what could be, again, I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this, I believe he could be one of the 20 best players in the league. <laughs> and I didn't think that after last year. After last year, I thought he was like, okay, obviously second year slumps happen, right? We saw it with, We saw it with Tatum, we see it all the time. But for him to bounce back this way, for him to look, so good his third year and i think he's pretty young for his class i think he's let me pull let me pull this page back up so he's born august 1st 2001 so he's 22 okay so he's going to be turning 23 next year so okay pretty on par for his class actually um point still stands okay 22
1: 21 23
0: doesn't matter the talent this guy has He is going to be one of those ones. Okay? You have one of those ones. You cannot fuck this up. (laughs) You cannot. And if you mess up the timelines here, if you... Obviously, this draft class... This draft class is not the one to do this with, right? Because this draft class um, is famously not as good as the last one. And... I was on the record saying they should have tanked last year. I... Don't know what they were doing last year. They should have traded Pascal, OG, Fred last year. And now you lost Fred. Now you just have Schroeder. And so I don't know what their path forward is. Um, I mean, they're, right now, they're... So they're 12th in the East. I probably should have said what seed the Knicks were. I apologize. They're 12th in the East. In a floundering East, okay? Where the Nets exist. They're better. They, they have better talent than the Nets. But I never for a second coming into the season thought they would be better than the Nets. Because I. Anyone who knows anything about basketball just could have seen
1: this coming. Okay. Like.
0: Even if they saw Scotty breaking out, Scotty's good, but he's not good enough to overcome this. And. He is a. He's a, like, I'm not going to say generational prospect. He's a great, great prospect. But no matter how great you are, no matter how good of a player you are, if your team doesn't have a direction, if your team has a pick and roll center without, a, like, a great pick and roll ball handler, right, without a great blob um, thrower, because that's what Jakob Pertl basically is. Jakob is not, Jakob a decent passer, but he's not, like, someone I'm going to, he's not bonus, right? I'm going to let him stand out there and do his little, Stuff, especially because this team doesn't have guys. If Jakob Pertl was on the Warriors, I think things would be different, but he's not on the Warriors. Now, that's a team that's a team that could use a guy like Jakob Pertl. and I'm going to talk about the Warriors. <laughs> I got some shit to say about the Warriors, but if you throw Jakob Pertl out there on this team without like any guys who could take advantage of a skill set, yeah, this is what's going to happen. You know, you don't have a bench. This is what's going to happen. So, what did you think was going to happen? This team sucks. And you have four good players on a 15 man roster. You need eight <laughs> at the minimum. And none of these guys are the best. Play- like, I would say Scotty's probably the closest thing to being like the be- good player on like a 45 win team. And even that, I don't know if I'd trust him that much, especially with his age. So, <sighs> yeah. In conclusion, blow the Raptors up.
1: Um, It's just a mess. And because they've been a rudderless ship for, I mean, you could argue they've been a rudderless ship since they went down to Tampa. And it's just gotten worse and worse. And I I don't know what the end in sight is for them.
0: Hello everyone, just wanna, just wanna give everyone a little update on the timeline that I'm recording this in because it's a little funky. Um, I recorded the first portion of this on Thursday morning when I had a little bit of time. So recorded the um, Knicks, News, and um, Raptors portion on Thursday. This portion will be coming to you on Saturday morning. And um, I didn't get to watch Warriors Wizards last night but an important standings update did happen because if I had to finish this on Thursday the Warriors would be a clear game back of the plan but now dear listener now they are tied with the Phoenix Suns for 10th place Um, the Suns I believe have a tiebreaker advantage over them at the moment so that is why the Suns are in possession of 10th place however um, when I spun the Warriors, I believe they were further out of the 10 seed, and so now we have a real discussion for the play in race. And so let's just go ahead and start Um, with the schedule. They're 14 and 14. Obviously, we're gonna go with 11th in the Western Conference for the Warriors. Um, so we have the last five games for them, so they're gonna have. They're gonna be play, they played the Clippers on December 14th, lost 121-113, then spurred a four-game winning streak. Okay. Beat the Nets 121 or 124-120 at home. Beat the Blazers in Portland 118-114. In an abjectly terrible game for Steph. Beat the Celtics at home 132-126 in overtime. Then did took care of business against the Wizards 129-118. So you have a team in Golden State who is Getting down to brass tacks here. You know, this is a time... They kind of started up against the eight ball now, but um, obviously, if you listened to this pod last week, you knew, talked about the Draymond suspension, kind of was poetic timing in a sense, where it's like, oh, hey, you know, this, this is just the perfect time to talk about this team. Um, Really could not have worked out better in any way, shape, or form, to be 1,000% honest with you. um, And... <laughs> Because it's gonna who knows when Draymond's gonna be back, right? And it'll be fascinating to see, you know, who's gonna um step up for the Warriors. And so far, Kuminga's really stepped up. Um Clay has really stepped up in Draymond's absence. Clay has been really I if you want to know the secret catalyst for what's been going on in Golden State since Draymond went down. So that game, Draymond went down, or the um, we'll we'll just call it the Nurkic game. The Nurkic game, Clay had seven points. Okay, game before lost to OKC, you know, twenty two points, solid. Game before that, went against Portland, three of 13, 11 points. So pretty up and down stretch by Clay. Clay's been slowly upticking, but he was pretty dreadful to start the season. I mean, first fifteen games for him, he shot. 41% from the field, 36.5% from three, better than I remembered, but still pretty bad. Um, since then, we're now at, I, I just know it's better. Since then, we're at 43.4% from three, or from the field, 39% from three, 20 points a game even, and I think this is highlighted by the last five games of clay, and sometimes, you know, you can get all in your head, like, oh, you know, it's whatever. People need to step up. Um, People, you know, like Moody's whatever. Um, Moody, Pajent. I'm just going to call him Pods, but um, Pajenski, I believe is how you say his name. Um, Looney. Clay has been their second scorer for ages. Should he still be their second scorer? Probably not. But he's their guy when they need a bucket. And it's not from Steph. It's usually Clay. And Clay has been the last five games He's been money last five games against against the Clippers, 30 points, eight point loss against the Nets, 24 against the um, Blazers, 28. He was electric in that game. 11 of 16, 5 of 10 from three against the Celtics. Not as hot, but I mean, still 40 percent from the field or 40 percent from three, 43 percent from the field Um, and against the Wizards last night, 20 points (laughs) and nothing like great. Right. Like Clay's not going to give you much outside of scoring. But for this team, what this team needs,
1: this team needed. I think there was a stretch.
0: I, re- I remember seeing a stat early in the season where it was like 150 players that scored 20 points in a game, and then there was only one Warrior <laughs> who had scored 20 points. Now, obviously, Clay, I think, was the first one. Clay didn't score 20 until November 20th. That was a month into the season. Now, it's great that Clay has finally. Found his stride, right? Found his rhythm because, shocker, Steph is still playing great, right? Who would have thunk it? You know, a top three player in the league, top two, top one maybe, um, is still playing at a Hall of Fame caliber level. And it's just the rest of his team is what's really not providing the punch that's needed for the team to to really be... At that upper level echelon, you know, and even in these games without Draymond, right? Like you can really see the cracks kind of starting to slide through, right? Like they can't really get stops at the rim, (laughs) like in that Celtics game, right? The Celtics game is the most recent one of their games I watched. So I'll go off of that game. The Celtics, when they wanted to get to the rim, were getting whatever they wanted. The problem was, is they wanted to shoot a ton of threes (laughs) and they were like, oh, here, Derek White, you're wide open because this the Warriors system, they switch. They still switch a lot, but they've kind of also been doubling the stars a lot this year. I've noticed. Um, and so it leaves Derek White, wide open. It leaves Drew Holiday, wide open. Um, Chris Stapps didn't play in that game. I, f- I remember correctly, but. Uh, you know, Al Horford was wide open. Al Horford and. Derek White chucked a lot in that game. <laughs> And Tatum was pretty bad in that game too. Tatum um I don't know. I need to check the Celtics schedule to see where they were playing the game before. I know they dominated the Kings in the second game of back to back, but without Tatum. Tatum that game was 5 of 17, 2 of 9 from 3. And it it looked it, man. I mean, it was not <laughs> it was not pretty. Derek White was 7 of 18 from 3. Okay. 11 of 24 from the field. So That means he took 6 two-point shots. Al Horford, 4 of 14 from the field, 3 of 10 from three, okay? These guys were wanting to put up threes. Drew Holiday, 5 of 12 from the field, 1 of 5 from three. So between those three players, you have 33 three-point attempts? I'm letting those guys get up 33 threes. I'm sorry. If that's their game plan, by all means. And then you have another nine from Tatum, which, you know, I want him taking more threes than twos. He took 17 shots. I want him taking more threes and twos. I think it's a bad system, and he missed a bunny, a real bad bunny. He and Brown both. Brown was significantly better at that game, I thought, in terms of offensive capability. Um, and I do think um, there was a player who really shifted the energy of that game, right? Because Steph was in foul trouble for a good majority of that game, and... I thought one guy really did kind of shift the energy a little bit and kind of swung the um, momentum of the game a little bit. I'll talk about him in a second because Dario Saric, anyone who's listened to this pod knows I'm a huge Saric fan. But with the way the league's athleticism is, (laughs) the speed might have just left him behind. And... I think that, you know, you have that guy, right? You have um, Looney, who is clear. I think Looney in particular has lost the step. Looney was on borderline, not borderline. He was unplayable in that game. He looked absolutely dreadful in that game. Um, And then, you know, just any other big man they threw out besides. And this is a a new segment I want to debut. Trace Jackson Davis, my get a room all star. Get a room. Not necessarily my term I came up with. Um, I want to shout out Caleb Lynn in two respects. One, he came up with the idea, so, you know, shout out to him. Second of all, a lot of IU fans were on this one in particular. And, you know, you don't want to base everything (laughs) off of what a college fan base thinks, right? If you did that, you know, everyone, every Kentucky fan would think every Kentucky player is going to be the greatest thing to come out ever, you know, whatever. (laughs) But there were a lot of NBA draft experts, too, who thought Trace Jackson Davis was a first round pick. And this guy fell to the 57th, 58th pick. One of the last picks of the second round. And you can see, I mean, I I think sometimes in the second round we see, um, you know, draft manipulation a lot. There's a lot more manipulation in the second round than there is in the first round. Um, players will tell their, like agents will tell their players like your their teams, you know, Hey, you're not, we don't want him here. We want him here. So on and so forth. And that scares a lot of teams away more so than it does in the first round. Um, So you have that aspect of it. But I I still think (laughs) because the Warriors, I believe, had more than one second round pick last year. So him falling as far as he did, and he's been in Draymond's absence. He swung that Celtics game. His athleticism, I this is where I have to eat it. okay, and this is why he stuck out with me. I knew he was skilled, right? You couldn't watch him at IU and not think he wasn't skilled. But what's really stuck out with me is the level of athlete he is. He's springy. He's springy. He's stocky. He's a good IQ player. Is he going to be a superstar? Absolutely the hell not. <laughs> there, I would bet my life on it. That Trace Jackson Davis is not anything more than what he is now. But what he is now on a winning team is a winning basketball player. And that guy, right? He can make plays. He's gotten three assists a couple times, which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but for a bench big, for a guy, against Portland, he had three assists in 17 minutes. For a bench big, that's a lot. He moves the ball really well, incredibly well. He makes things happen with his IQ. He directs the flow of traffic. Um, the, The area of deficiency he has is just being like a true rim protector. Right. And why I don't think he'll be like a true, like full time starting center. Right. But if I was when it comes push, when push comes to shove. And the, let's say the Warriors do make the play in slash playoffs. This man should be in their playoff rotation. He just should be. Um, He's been really showing out. He had 15 rebounds against the Warriors, against the Wizards last night. 13 rebounds against the Celtics. Um, three blocks against the Celtics. His energy really changed that game. And again, sometimes the stats help tell the story, but they don't tell the whole story. The Warriors, I think, were down 19 at one point in the third quarter, just looked real slow and discombobulated. And Jackson Davis just lifted the whole team up. Looney was off the floor. Wiggins was off the floor. And Wiggins, I I think I might have brought him up earlier. He has been... (laughs)
1: Wiggins has been... It's like we're back in
0: Minnesota again, but worse. Remember, if you if you will, when Wiggins was in Minnesota, it just was kind of. Eh. You know, like I would watch the games. He'd have 25. I don't think I noticed a single thing he did out there. It'd be cat. I was the one I was noticing. I noticed a Kogi over him. I noticed a lot of guys before I was watching before I was noticing Wiggins. Then he got to Golden State. It got better. He was the second best player on the championship team. I don't think you could deny that and now it's really sad you know I think the only thing I noticed from the game against the Celtics was just him filling the lane in transition one time being like huh that was a really nice way to fill the lane there um and so it's not him struggling isn't all bad though because because into that breach stepped Jonathan Kaminga um just I think what the Warriors need and I think they've known they've needed him for the last three years. I mean, that's the reason why they drafted him. Um, You know, everyone's like, oh, why didn't they draft Franz Wagner? I mean, Franz is a nice player. Franz is a really good player. Nice has a, you know, sometimes seemingly negative connotation to it. (laughs) But Kuminga has the body type (laughs) of exactly what they need. And it's why he's the guy that is perfect for them play like he he's exactly what they need to bridge the gap into the next generation right like he's strong he's athletic he's explosive right i mean he's kind of built i mean he the way he's built is just you know you need every team wants these 686769 guys who are also 235 and can jump out of the building those guys don't grow on trees <laughs> um so you have that Right? And he looks like he's becoming a good player. I wouldn't say he was a bad player. I would just say, you know, we didn't, his playing time was yanked around so much. We weren't able to see. I would have told you last year, Mo- Moses Moody was a good player. And I would have told you that he should have been playing. And I, I, I know I lauded Clay at the beginning of this segment. I think Moses Moody might be their second best card. Now, let me, let me say this. I understand why you play Klay Thompson over Moses Moody. It's not just, and Caleb, I know you're gonna text me being like, this is a silly reason. Clay Thompson, undoubtedly better scorer than Moses Moody. Moses Moody, undoubtedly, I think, better than everything else right now than Clay Thompson. The Warriors don't need that everything else at the moment, which is why I understand why you're starting Clay. Perfect world, you'd probably start both of them and have Clay guard fours. I, I still maintain that Clay's best use would be to guard fours. Put on 15 pounds of muscle. He's big. He's tall. Why not just have him guard fours? I, I don't understand. In, in, in any event, Moses Moody, if you can get another score at the deadline, ship Clay out and have Moody be your starting two, Moody's going to be like the perfect guard next to Steph. He can hit threes. He can dribble, he can playmake a little. Um, defend, 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 defend. The Warriors have really good young players. I'm not gonna act like I know a whole lot about Pajenski. you know, not a whole lot you can glean in a couple games. But Bajinski, from what I can tell, plays hard. He's got a good IQ about him, you know. If he's a rookie starting under Kerr, he must have something going on up in his head. Like not a bad thing. Um, I just don't know where you go from here, right, if you're them. Because I, lo- I, I should address Chris Paul, too. I, I need to talk about Chris Paul. I can't
1: leave this without talking about Chris Paul. I
0: just... It's like you add Draymond on offense, who's obviously a better passer. Not a whole lot of people can say they're better passers than Chris Paul in the history of the NBA. Right, right but and it's a big, but he can't make threes anymore. He just can't. You have a guy in Chris Paul who used to be one of the premier defenders at his spot. I would say that's not being true in about 2015, 2014. Maybe hasn't been true in a while that he was a great defender. Hasn't been a good defender probably since he was in Houston. Um, Now maybe Oklahoma city. I'll give him Oklahoma city. But now it's like he can't defend, can't shoot threes, still an elite passer. I mean, he the pass he hit Steph Curry with to it was like, was it a four point game, five point game, whatever, basically sealed the game against the Celtics where he threw a beautiful cross court pass to Steph, right? It was just an absolute laser. Not a whole lot of people in the history of the NBA can make that pass because it's Chris Paul. But. When the trade deadline time comes, (laughs) that Band-Aid needs to get ripped off. You have a $30 million expiring salary in a time where people are going to want to save money. (laughs) That's the sound of the Band-Aid being ripped off. (laughs) He's a good player still. He can help somebody out. He could be somebody's Mike Conley. I just don't... Because I don't think that for this team, when you already have a lead ball handler, right? When you already have... I mean, ostensibly, you're going to want Draymond to be back and ostensibly, you're going to want him to be, you know, the distributor that he is, because what else is he going to do for you on offense, right? So what, therefore, what use does Chris Paul have? And I'm sorry, this this is going to sound crazy to say. This might be the most crazy, disrespectful thing I've ever said on a podcast ever, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. Corey Joseph might be more useful to this team than Chris Paul is. Because Corey Joseph defends, I don't know about the shooting. The shooting is about equal, but the defense versus the passing, it's really what you're boiling it down to when you're going, (laughs) I cannot believe I'm discussing this hypothetical. Never thought I'd see the day (laughs) when I'd be arguing with myself, Corey Joseph versus Chris Paul. Here we are though. Um, I think for this team and this team only, especially you could play Corey, Corey Joseph next to Steph would work wonders. You have just a guy like that who can handle really well, who can do his job pretty well. I I think the recipe is there for success with Corey Joseph. Now, (laughs) what do you get for Chris Paul? Who can say, I need to I should look at go to fans, my favorite website, see what first round picks are dealing with, because um, it's going to be challenging because I know they don't. I know for a fact they don't have their first round pick this year that went out in the D, famous Katie D'Angelo Russell trade. I don't know who has their first round pick this year, but I don't believe it's them. Warriors, Warriors. There we go. Picks. OK, so they can't deal a first round pick until 2028. So they don't have that. They have a few second round picks. Um, I mean, Chris Paul in 2029. 20, first, you owe it to staff to go for at least one more championship. And if, okay, we didn't do this in the East cause you know, there's no point, but in the West, I, I did this last week, but you know, just to go back to the, well, you're a half game behind the Lakers. You're a game behind the Rockets. The Rockets are the eighth seed. You're two games behind the Mavericks in seven. Two and a half games behind the Pelicans for the sixth seed. You're not that far out from making the actual playoffs. You're not. And all it took was a week. And this is. All it's going to take is one guy getting hurt and it's going to happen. Somebody important on one of these teams is going to get hurt. Um, I think the Wolves have built up a good enough cushion, right? They're 15 games over 500 right now. They're 21 and six. I think they're pretty safe. I would wager to guess Oklahoma City is safe. But something happens to SGA, who knows? Denver, I'm going to go out on an 11 and say they're safe. But you get to that four through, well, we'll take Oklahoma City out of there. So Oklahoma City, then four through 10. None of those teams are safe. I mean, hell, the Suns are tumbling right now because of the injury to Bradley Beal. So it's another injury to Bradley Beal, by the way. We got one healthy week of Bradley Beal. <laughs> I don't even think it was that. I think it was like a game and a half. And, you know, the Lakers, if LeBron gets hurt, they're they're cooked. Um, the Rockets, um, I don't know who the guy would be. Probably Fred VanVleet. Um, the Mavericks, we all know who the guy would be. Um, the Pelicans, I think we all know who the guy would be there. <laughs> Guys, maybe. But the Clippers, they've shown a pretty remarkable ability to stay 500 without the guy. But we all know who the guy would be. So, and the Grizzlies, the team next week, are gonna be clawing for that spot as well. And the Grizzlies are only six and a half games out and they've won their last two. It's gonna be, it's getting early fast. We're not even at the halfway point. <laughs> and the standings are starting to matter more than ever. The, the Grizzlies are only two games behind the Jazz now, who are only three and a half, right? So uh, that's right, yeah, three and a half games behind the, um. Behind the Warriors. So. Grizzlies are five and a half games. Up behind the Warriors. I'm just saying. The West is going to be really. Really challenging. Those top 12 teams. Because I'm sorry. The Jazz. The Grizzlies are better than the Jazz. We, we don't have to play games here. I know they're significantly worse right now. But. Two weeks from now. The Grizzlies will have the Jazz in the dust. You can. You heard it here first. It's. The West is going to be a dogfight the rest of the season, and I can't wait to watch it. Um, just a real Christmas day, pre, real quick Christmas day preview, because, um, you know, I'm a degenerate and it wouldn't be a NBA podcast if we didn't talk Christmas real quick. So let's just go through the slate real quick. Bucks Knicks at 11 Central because I live in Central time. That's my relevant time zone. Um, I mean, if the Bucks don't win, I'll be shocked. But, you know, my Knicks have withstood tougher challenges It'll it'll be tough, you know, with no Mitch. But I like our chances, you know? That'll probably be the highlight of my uh next discussion next week. Team I was just talking about, Warriors against the Nuggets. Um this will probably be their biggest test since Draymond went out. And I don't know how I like their chances, especially going into Denver, playing what that'll be like a twelve thirty eleven thirty game. Um Denver time. I'm not too good at time zone conversion here. I think that's 10. I think that that's 1230, if I'm not mistaken. Um, then we have Celtics Lakers at 4 p.m. Central. That should be a good one. Lakers defense has been really good. Celtics offense has been not so good. And now that I think about it, it makes complete sense why the Celtics were in on a West Coast road trip this week. Um, Sixers heat at seven. Sixers should probably smoke the heat the way the Sixers have been playing this year and the way the Heat have. The Heat kind of got off to a hot start and then have tumbled. Tumbled, tumbled, tumbled. So I give me the Sixers pretty clearly. And then Mavericks Suns, oh God, that should be a blowout in favor of the Mavericks, the way the Suns are playing right now. They have. They got killed by Sacramento last night. Absolutely walloped. Um, no Beal, they look pretty listless right now. Eric Gordon. <laughs> Is complaining to Chris Haynes. Um, and listen, I like Eric Gordon. He's a nice player. You know, Indiana. I think he was North Central. Um, in Indianapolis. You know, pretty pretty good player. Um, throughout his career, underrated. Really, one of the most underrated players of this decade of the last decade. You're not at the stage Eric Gordon where you should be complaining about how many shots you're getting. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, but that's that's a little ridiculous. So, um, give me the Mavs. So in conclusion, I'm going Bucks, Nuggets. I don't think I actually made a pick for Celtics, Lakers. I think I'll go Lakers for that one because they're at home. And I think the Celtics are going to resort to too many outside jumpers, especially with 80 in the paint. Um, give me the Sixers and then give me the Mavs. So um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. Um, another since I don't do curveballs anymore, just just a little piece of a little morsel of wisdom for you on the way out. Apples with peanut butter. Best snack in the world. Just thought I'd leave you with that. And folks, I just want to thank you all so much for listening. Um, I know this was a longer one. I had a lot to say about the Warriors, it turns out. But um, I want to thank everyone. You know, I know it's probably a little weird to listen with no co-host, but I want to say if you have been sticking around and listening, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. This is a passion project for me. Um, I don't have a lot of time. (laughs) It's hard to find time, but I just love doing this and doing this pod brings me a lot of joy you know, watching these games, getting to, you know, talk about this. If you have any thoughts, sincerely, at Alex Burr 4, please try to keep it as kind as possible. You know, if you have any complaints, send them to at CalebLynn1. Um, Tell him how bad of a job he's doing, even though he's not here. Um, (laughs) And folks, I just want to say thank you so much for listening and have a great Christmas.